0: Today on Locked On Ducks Hockey, the Ducks go down at home to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Join me on today's Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good early morning, everyone, and a happy Wednesday to all the hockey fans out there. This is Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast covering the Anaheim Ducks where you'll get fresh daily content Monday through Friday about the OC's favorite hockey team. Just a reminder that tomorrow is Locked On Gulls. Tomorrow is Thursday, and every Thursday will be Locked On Gulls, which is the variant of Locked On Ducks. And before I get into the show and talk about last night's game at the Ponda, you can hear this podcast or any of the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Or try looking manually on the Apple or Google podcasts. Hopefully you'll find Locked on Ducks hockey on there. If you're hearing this already, be sure to hit the subscribe button if you have not already. And you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. Keep checking those tweets. So last night I was at the Ponda and it was a good start for the Anaheim Ducks as they took on the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets were on the back end of a back-to-back. Monday night, they defeated the LA Kings 4-2. The Ducks had previously done pretty well against opponents that were on a back-to-back that had just lost to the Kings. So it was looking kind of up for the Anaheim Ducks. And they got off to a very fast start on the opening face-off. Yeah, 8 seconds in and Andre Kasha, he was super aggressive right out of the gate and had the first shot on goal that could have easily gone in. And the Ducks just kept on coming. They just kept pummeling the net. And it was eventually uh, Ryan Getzloff who got the first goal of the game. And that goal came off a deflection inside the faceoff circle. Michael Zoro, Sorry, not Michael Del Zorro. See, Michael Del Zotto. I say Michael Zoro because Gil Ember, the Ducks organist, he plays the flourish from Zorro. Whenever he scores. So sometimes I say Michael Zoro, But Michael DelZotto. He had a shot from the point. Ryan Getzloff got the deflection. It was a very obvious deflection. Right on the top side of that goal. And that made it a 1-0 early lead. For the Anaheim Ducks. Only 3 minutes into the game. However with about 8.5 minutes left. Eric Robinson. Would then tie up the game. And really that was not the best goal. To give up. You know, he tied the game for Limbis. He found the corner. It was a really weird odd man rush where the Ducks kept getting shot after shot. And just the puck got loose in the neutral zone. Odd man rush and Robinson would get the game-tying goal. However, something else that happened during the first period was Jakob Silverberg, He didn't look good to start the game. He muffed a couple of chances. And then the following shift after that, Jakob Silverberg ended up getting injured he, in fact, injured his upper body. We'll talk more about Silverberg in a second. But back to the game. You know, going back to the first period, you know, Daniel Sprong had some fantastic hustle, you know, on the forecheck. He kept trying to press, trying to get shots on goal, which they did. And Daniel Sprong, I thought, had glimpses of great play tonight. I thought he did a fantastic job on the forecheck. And it was 1 1 after the first period. The Ducks had 15 shots on goal to eight for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they had all the high danger chances. The Ducks had a great first period. It was unfortunate that it was tied at the time one to one, but they did really well. So going into the second period, Andra Kasha, he had a fast start to the period yet again. And this time only 24 seconds into the second period where people were just getting back into their seats. He had the puck all by himself and worked around the defense. I don't want to say he completely undressed the defense, but he worked around some traffic, showed all the effort on that one, and he scored the unassisted goal to make a 2-1 Ducks. And once again, Andra Kasha with the biggest smile when he scores, he needs to be that depth offensive guy. The Ducks don't have the offensive depth that other teams do. We'll talk more about that later as well. So something else that kind of occurred in the second period is we started to see some shifting of some lines now that Silferberg was out of the game. You saw you started seeing Henrik go into a couple of different lines. You started to see you know, players like Max Jones get into those lines. Daniel Sprong was on the line with Ryan Getzloff. There was a lot of mixing at that time, but that's more out of necessity because of the injury, not because Eakins is trying to stir things up that happens when one of your star players in fact your all-star player goes down like that you know so the ducks have to kind of shift around a little bit more than usual the ducks did get on a power play there but that turned up empty in fact both ducks power plays they were not that bad there were more cross ice passes they're beginning to get more active on the power plays and look for those one-time chances Unfortunately, someone who is usually on that power play was not out there for it, which is a damn shame, to be honest, because if you have Silverberg out there for the power play, chances are you're going to succeed. No, that did not happen this time. Midway through the second period, Nick Delorier was starting to play like he had to rocket up his ass yet again. He was getting some hits on Columbus players. Delorier had hit after hit. Great job there. Even Eric Goodbranson was getting a couple of hits out there, which I thought Goodbranson had a pretty good game. And by the way, it was Eric Goodbranson's birthday. So a belated happy birthday to Eric Goodbranson. Uh, he had one hit. Josh Manson, he was really putting on the hits as well. He had five hits in the game. So did Nick DeLaurier. So the Ducks were doing everything they could to maintain that lead. And with five and a half minutes left, you know, Lindholm, he stayed with the play you know, breaking up a two-on-one opportunity for Columbus to keep it at that. However, everything, and I mean everything, changed with about 1.23 left in the second period when Nathan Gerby brought the puck into the offensive zone and ended up scoring the goal to tie the game at two goals apiece. But this is where all the controversy took place. Kirby had the game-tying goal, but Coach Ekins he had his coach's challenge, so he challenged it for offside. Although, where I was sitting, it looked like two things could have been challenged. At first glance, it could have been an offside, or there could have been a kicking motion because that goal came really quickly. Uh, the kicking motion did not occur, but the obvious one to go after was offside. And judging by the replay in the arena, it looked like it might get reversed. But... After about two and a half minutes of delay, the goal stood. Yeah, everybody at the Ponda was very pissed off. I heard a lot of this chant. Ref, you suck. Ref, you suck. You could hear that echoing around the arena. So because the goal stood, Anaheim then went on the penalty kill because of the delay of game. And on that ensuing penalty kill, or the power play for Columbus... That guy that I talked about on the previous episode, Zach Wierenski, he continues his hot streak. He scored on the Lumbus power play and that made it three to two. That really changed everything I thought. You know, it changed the whole scope of the game. The momentum was on Anaheim's side and in only a minute and a half, it completely flipped the page. It went from Anaheim being up two to one. Columbus was up three to two. That was a two-goal penalty right there in most people's opinions. And really, that's what it was. It was a two-goal play. And I have to thank NM Baseball 52 for providing the quick reply to this when I asked about the uh, angle for this. On the Fox Sports replay, it showed that Hampus Lindholm may have grazed the puck into the zone and thereby negating the offside. And we didn't get this memo until about a dozen minutes late. Usually, we get these memos within a minute or two from the NHL war room. No, this was a long wait. So here is the explanation on the goal. And I'm going to quote the NHL directly. So here's the explanation on that goal. Quote, it was determined that Anaheim's Hampus Lindholm played the puck back into his own defending zone prior to Columbus's goal. The decision was made in accordance to Rule 83.1, which states in part, quote, If a player legally carries, passes, or plays the puck back into his own defending zone while a player of the opposing team is in such defending zone, the offside shall be ignored and play permitted to continue, end quote. Result. Penalty. Two-minute minor penalty. Delay of game. Unsuccessful challenge. End quote. That's all from the National Hockey League. So to break down rule 83.1, a player legally carries, passes, or plays the puck back into his own defending zone. It looked like Gerby was trying to get the puck into his own zone on that replay. And there was another replay uh, from the Columbus feed and then there was the in-arena feed. What it looked like there was Nathan Gerby was kind of sliding back. He did touch the puck at first. Gerby was the first one to touch the puck, and that would have gone into his own defensive zone. Or his own zone. However, just as the puck was right on the blue line, Hampus Lindholm did get a touch on it, and it looks like from that view... Lindholm may have been the one that gathered the puck into the zone, therefore that negates the offside. but it is so close to call on the ice they didn't call an offside there, and there's not enough there to overturn it. therefore it is a good goal. and I do like the challenge there by coach Eakins. I thought he did a fantastic job calling that and once again, I gotta think nm baseball fifty two for providing that quick replay. So thank you once again for that. Coming up after the first intermission, more about last night's game at the Ponda. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. When we left off, we talked about that game-changing, I guess, penalty that happened as a result of the coach's challenge. The Ducks went on the penalty kill and a minute and 12 into the PK. That guy that I talked about in length on the previous episode, Zach Wierenski, he scored the power play goal with about 10 seconds left in the second period to give Columbus a 3-2 lead. And it was a very scramble. You know, Rinsky was on top of the crease. Then he kind of moved back between the face-off dots. And they were crashing the net at that point. Columbus knew they had to get a score right away. And they did give the assist to Nyquist. And that other guy that I talked about, yeah, I'm talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. And by the way, Pierre-Luc Dubois also got the assist on the previous goal for Columbus. So already, Dubois has two assists. Nyquist has an assist. Wierenski has a goal. So Wierenski continues his hot streak. It becomes 3-2 Columbus going into the third and final period. It remains 3-2 for a very long time. Anaheim came out firing. Max Jones got the first shot on goal only five seconds into the third period. And really, Max Jones came out on this third period and created some great chances and behind the net, he was more aggressive. Max Jones, he is kind of a young player, has some inconsistent tendencies, but when Max Jones really gets going, he gets going. And Anaheim did control the puck for most of the third period in their own offensive zone. So, really, I have to give the Ducks credit for not giving up on that play. The Ducks were on the power play for a About a minute on this power play unit they had you know Cam Fowler on there they had Sam Steele on there they had Daniel Sprong and then they had Henrik and Getzloff kind of a mixing of power play units without Sulferberg there that's the unit that they had to go with however on the second power play unit Devin Shore Got a penalty for interference about a minute into that power play, and there went the Ducks' chance. So really, the Ducks were 0-2 for on the power play, but one of them was a very abbreviated power play, resulting in a penalty. So that's not a good look for them. It remains 3-2 until about a minute and a half left when—oh, by the way, guess who started in goal? Not John Gibson. Ryan Miller. Yeah, Miller got the starting goal, and he looked pretty good for the most part up until that, you know, goal that could have gone back, the maybe offside. That's neither here nor there. So Miller left the net. Wierenski found the open net. That was Zach Warinsky's second goal of the game. And believe it or not, his eighth point in the last five games. Not only that, his seventh goal. In the last week and change, Zach Wierenski is completely on a tear. Oh, and by the way, Dubois got the assist on that play too. So Dubois picked up three apples on this day. And Zach Wierenski got two goals, his 14th and 15th goals of the season. Very late in the game, Andre Kasha would bring it to within one as the Ducks emptied the net once again. That made it 4-3, but that would be the final score. Getzloff and Fowler would get the assists on that play. But the final score was Ducks 4, sorry, Ducks 3, Columbus 4. Yeah, we wish it was Ducks 4-3, to three, but it was Columbus that would win 4-3. to three. But the big story after the game was Jakob Silverberg. As we know, Jakob Silverberg left the game with an upper body injury early on, and he was not returning. And unfortunately, there was no update after the game. Dallas Eakins had no update on the Silverberg injury. Maybe we will know more by tomorrow afternoon. However, you know, we have to give credit to the Ducks for at least hanging in there without their main scorer. Silverberg is their all star, he is one of their alternate captains. The Ducks looked a little bit different without him out there, and you could tell. And talking to the Ducks radio broadcaster, Steve Carroll, after the game, we kind of agreed on a couple of things. First off, the Ducks are that different without Silverberg. And the Ducks don't have that depth scoring that most other teams do. You know, you have to look at other players to step up and start scoring goals. It was a great sign that Andre Kasha is scoring now. He had his fourth and fifth goals of the season tonight. Maybe he's turned a corner. But you've got to have other players aside from Getzloff and Silverberg to score a bunch of goals for you. Because there is just no depth as far as scoring. The Ducks right now have a bunch of playmakers. That's all good. But when you don't have guys that are that good on the one-timers that can put the puck away, that's going to be a world of trouble. Yes, Max Jones did have a couple of one-timers skirt right past his stick. You know, he's got to improve on that. Daniel Sprong had a golden opportunity that just fluttered by his stick. And really, part of that is just youth. These Ducks players need some experience, they really need to season themselves in San Diego. But again, the Ducks are very injured right now. Some of these guys should be playing with the goals right now, not with the Ducks. And a couple of other quotes after this game. And I'm going to start with one from Cam Fowler, who said, quote, yeah, there are positives we can take from the game. And we continue to fight in the third period. But at the end of the day, we came up short Yeah, they did continue. They kept it a one-goal game for a long time, and they did have control, like I mentioned. And there's a couple quotes. Actually, there's one really good quote from Hampus Lindholm, and thanks to Eric Stevens of The Athletic for providing these quotes. So we'll start with his quote from Hampus Lindholm after the game. And Lindholm talking about that play that occurred in the second period. Quote, Every man has an opinion for himself we can probably ask people and they'll say it wasn't offside. And there's going to be people that say it's offside. It's a tough call and it's out of my control. End quote. Lindholm, of course, talking about that offside, maybe offside, maybe not offside at the end of the second period. Because Lindholm did touch it with the stick, that's what negated the offsides at the time. And one more quote, and this is from Coach Dallas Eakins. Again, courtesy of Eric Stevens from the Athletic, and this was Eakins talking about the decision to use the coach's challenge after that offside. "Quote, that's the that's my call in the end. I either go with it or I don't. I thought it was offside, and I think it was one of those ones you could sit and argue it was that close." End quote. And something else that Eric pointed out that Columbus's two goals were 49 seconds within each other, and that turned the game. And it really did. That was a humongous momentum shift in the game for the Columbus Blue Jackets and against the Anaheim Ducks. But at the time, I thought that was a good challenge by Coach Eakins to challenge on that play. At that point, you have to try something, and it did look that close. On one replay, it looks like it was offside. On another, it was questionable. On even a third angle, it looked like Lindholm did barely tap it with the stick. It was inconclusive. The call on the ice was that it was a good play. Therefore, the call stands. So that was really the big moment in that entire game last night. And after the second intermission, we'll talk a little bit more about last night's game. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we got a bit of news just to kind of tell what's going on. I'm recording this segment on Wednesday morning, only the last segment because I was waiting to hear some news on Jakob Sulferberg, and we do have some news on Jakob Sulferberg. He did not practice today. In fact, he was completely left out of practice this morning. And Raquel has been moved to right wing. Max Comtois, who was a healthy scratch on last night's game, he is going to be on the wing with Lundestrom and Raquel. So it looks like Jakob Silverberg is going to be out for at least tomorrow's game against the Dallas Stars. So once again, just a bit of breaking news, Jakob Silverberg did not practice at all. He was left out. That can only mean that he's not going to play in tomorrow's game. And since Thursday is reserved for the San Diego Goals, I figured I would do a type of preview for Thursday night's game this morning. And obviously the big story is the Ducks' lone all-star representative, Jakob Silferberg, is not on the ice at all. So we don't know how long he's going to be out yet. We just know that he's out at least for right now. So I would not expect to see him play on Thursday's game. Someone else that we're not going to see play on Thursday's game is Corey Perry. Um, if you guys famously remember, Corey Perry uh, got suspended for five games for becoming the first meme, essentially, for 2020. He took a headshot on the Winter Classic only two minutes into the 2020 Winter Classic. After that, he was ejected. He took the walk of shame. It became a meme. It looks bad. So, to see Corey Perry not playing, you know, it sucks for some fans. However, we found out during the game last night that Corey Perry is going to join the Dallas Stars on this road trip. He will be in the building Thursday night at the Ponda. So, we're going to have a nice video tribute, not only for Cogs, but I'm sure there's going to be a long tribute video for Corey Perry. Most likely before the game. So once again, Silverberg is out, Corey Perry is still out, but Perry will be in the building. So if you guys want to see a nice little video tribute, you know, give thanks to Corey Perry for his many years of playing on the Ducks. Come out to the Ponda, you know, see that little video tribute. I'm sure the video will come up on the Ducks Twitter at some point, but that's just a bit of news. Corey Perry is going to be there tomorrow night. Uh, With that, I think we're going to wrap up on that last short little segment. Don't forget, tomorrow is Thursday, so tomorrow will be Locked on Goals Day. There is a San Diego Goals game tonight. The San Diego Goals are at home, and they face the Iowa Wilds tonight. That game begins at 7 o'clock at Pechanga Arena. Also, I'm heading there right now. It is Ducks Day at Disney California Adventure. And I'm sure many fans are there now. I'll be heading out there shortly myself. So we have Ducks Day today. We have the Ducks game tomorrow. So all stuff worth checking out. And if you're in San Diego County, check out the goals tonight. Once again, they're playing the Iowa Wild. And tomorrow, we're going to talk a lot of goals games. There was a bunch this past week. You can download today's podcast or any of the previous episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Oh, and by the way, the Jeopardy Goat Tournament, y'all got to check that out too. Make sure you have that DVR'd because I'm definitely going to talk about that at some point next week. The Jeopardy Goat Tournament, it's been awesome to watch so far. If you want to chat hockey with me or even Jeopardy, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. If you want to chat about Ducks hockey, email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing from you guys during the games. It's always fun to check out. Hey, now, for Locked On Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. Enjoy hump day. I'll see you at the park. And stay cool, Anaheim.